It's hard to imagine being forced from our homes, hiding from the gunfire and the bombs, trying to protect those we love, trying to get to, to the border where we're greeted with tents. It's hard to imagine, but we live in a time in history like no other. More people have been displaced right now than ever before. 65 million people have had to flee their homes. 30 million of those are children. That's more than the population of Texas. One out of every 113 people right now on our planet are refugees. And you, and you may be thinking, you know, that, that does bother me, that concerns me, but why are we talking about this uh, during Christmas? It doesn't feel like the Christmas message, but, but really we don't fully understand the Christmas message without understanding the context of what was happening in those days. See, the, the Christmas story, if we're not careful, it can become so cliche, so ordinary, so commercialized. But I want you to listen to the words from the prophet of Isaiah hundreds of years before the Messiah was born, describing the entire point of the Christmas story. Listen to these words in Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Our hope is during this season, we'll come to grips with the true story of Christmas. It's not the cutesy, cuddly story of baby Jesus wrapped in a warm and safe little bed, doting shepherds and smiling animals. It's so much more profound than that. He came to bring light into the darkness, to bring joy in a world filled with pain, to bring freedom to those enslaved and justice to the oppressed. But sometimes I think we like the sweet baby Jesus at Christmas story better. Just like that philosopher, Ricky Bobby, <laughs> the redneck NASCAR driver who always likes to pray to the baby Jesus. Maybe you've seen the movie. I'm not recommending you see the movie. I, but in this, he, he prays, Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. 
And he continues to pray for the healing powers of the baby Jesus. And his wife eventually interrupts him and says, you know, Ricky, you know that Jesus grew up. And Ricky Bobby says, well, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. <laughs> See, I think we like the baby Jesus because he's up on the mantle with the rest of our Christmas decorations, and he's not intruding our Christmas plans. But the true story of Christmas is, is God coming to rescue us and interrupting our lives, in fact, so transforming us that we become agents of change in this broken and messed up world. We have to remember that the angels greeted the shepherds and proclaimed, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. See, Jesus came to bring peace in a world that's torn up and broken. God demonstrating his favor, his goodwill, his love towards all people. And the story of Christmas is a Messiah born in the city of Bethlehem because the region was being ruled by a Syrian governor who declared a census. And so his father Joseph had to go to his hometown of Bethlehem. Jesus, born in Bethlehem, just as Micah the prophet foretold eight centuries before Jesus was born in Micah 5. But as for you, Bethlehem, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So what does Christmas have to do with refugees? Well, a refugee is someone who has been forced to leave his or her country because of persecution, war, or violence due to evil. That's actually the backdrop, the entire story of Christmas. The harsh reality is that the one who was and is and is to come, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one true God came from heaven to earth, displaced from heaven to step into this broken and messed up world because of evil. See, peace on earth without God is not our history. God became one of us because God created every person in his image to be his children. But evil made it necessary for him to be displaced from his rightful home, to come to be among us in our persecution, in our poverty, in our torture and death. Think about what God chose for himself. Born in the Middle East, the most strategic place on the planet. Think about that. The trade routes leading right into Africa, into Asia, and into Europe. But he was born into a family of the Jewish minority under the oppressive Romans, under a Syrian governor. Born into poverty. Born into suffering. He made himself a refugee to rescue the spiritual refugees. And that's us. We're refugees. We're displaced from where we should be due to the evils of this world. We all turn from God. We run from our rightful home in his presence. We are like the prodigal sons and daughters. And that's why Jesus was born into our suffering. 1 Peter 3 says it this way. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Jesus did this for you. 
He did this for me. He did this for all of humanity, for all peoples on the planet. See, God's love is for every person. And every one of us has the opportunity to say yes to what he did. Living a perfect life, ultimately dying on the cross. That we can find forgiveness, we can find adoption into his family because he paid the price for the evil that we've done and the world has done all around us. See, God cares for us and sends us as agents of his love to the world that needs to experience that. And if we follow after Jesus, then we become citizens of a different government, a higher authority. And we can actually have different views on immigration and policies about refugees. But we cannot ignore God's command to care for those who are already among us. Philippians 1.27 says it this way, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. We don't have to give in to the fears that we see on the news. I, I don't know if you watch the news, but to intrigue us, to trick us into watching. Have you noticed the commercials? At 10 o'clock, you need to watch because there's a new way your children might die. Have you noticed that? It's fear that motivates us. What's going on? And the worst of humanity is what we watch. And we see it over and over and over. And so as a result, we begin to live lives of fear. But if we are people of faith, we need to live by faith, not by fear. We need to be messengers of hope and love and not give in to the fears that we see on the news. And we can see it in the scriptures from the very beginning to the very end. God's love is for all of humanity. God made humanity in his image. And we were good of the greatest value. But because of his willingness to give us freedom, we turned from God. And the problems that we face, the brokenness we face in our own lives and on this planet are a direct result of the choices we've made. The choices others have made. See, God wants to bring peace on earth and it begins by peace in our own hearts. Peace that extends. We can become the unanxious presence in the room. We can be peacemakers among those who struggle. See, peace with God begins in our hearts and peace on earth begins with us. And then we see at the end of the scriptures in Revelation chapter 5, a vision of heaven, God's love for all people. It says this, you were slain and, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus. Don't give in to the narrative of the news. Instead, give in to the narrative of the story of God and God's kingdom. See, God is at work among every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, using what was meant for evil to somehow bring good about. And see, caring for the refugee is on God's heart and has been since the beginning. And even as a church for the past 10 years, we've been directly involved with serving refugees here in our city. 
See, when God created the Jewish nation about 4,000 years ago, he, he chose Abram and Sarah. And even though they were barren, he said that they would have children and, and he would make them a great nation. And that all families will be blessed through you. See, the Jewish nation was created in, in greatness to preserve God's word and to foretell of the coming of the Messiah, a blessing to all peoples. See, Christmas is for all of us. God's heart has always been for all the nations and families on the earth. And we see the story over and over. God bringing good out of what humanity meant for evil. We even see this story of, of how not only did Abraham and Sarah have a child and become a, a, a great nation, but, but throughout their history, there were moments where God rescued them, rescuing them from Egypt, where they went in the midst of famine. And we can see, even as they were freed from their captivity, the message of God's love for the refugee, for the displaced, for the marginalized, for the outcast was a, a part of their story. A small sampling across 1,500 years of God speaking to his people. Exodus 23. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. Leviticus 19. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. See, God's people are to remember, remember what God has done for us as spiritual refugees and love foreigners among us as we love ourselves. But God's even more intrusive than that. He even asks us to be generous financially to the refugee and the foreigner. In Leviticus 23, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. And God commands us to treat them as equals with equal justice and protection. In Numbers 15, native-born Israelites and foreigners are equal before the Lord and are subject to the same decrees. God provides a, or commands us to provide food and clothing for the refugee and the foreigner. In Deuteronomy 10, he ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to the foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. See, we are so fortunate. And, and rather than to be tempted towards guilt, some of us were raised in environments where guilt was what motivated us to do good. And that's not what we're trying to do at all. In fact, what I would say is it's out of gratitude that we should be motivated to do anything that we do. It's out of gratitude. And gratitude, to me, my favorite description is being thankful for what you have and not mad about what you don't have. And the scriptures remind us that to much is given, much is expected. See, we, we have been given much and that means we have the opportunity to do much. If I can reframe what, Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. To much is given, much is expected. We have the opportunity to make a difference in ways most people on the planet only dream of. 
The scriptures even tell us that Jesus reminds us that when we do good for others, we're actually doing good on his behalf. We're actually doing good to him. 